Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the Restoration. Except, am I on the wrong program? I think I think I am. I'm not an evangelical. I guess I better invite a couple of my favorite evangelicals, uh, Steve Pineacre and Dr. Chris Thomas. Uh, how are you guys doing? Doing great. Yeah, thanks doing for well. Thanks for doing this, dude. Yeah, this is a special episode. It's the 100th episode of Mormon Book Reviews. And so uh, so Steve asked me to be the guest host. And I'm still curious, how are you guys still studying Mormonism? Isn't that's that's kind of strange, you know, evangelicals. You guys, by the way, I have to say something. On Reddit, there was a big thing about Rick Bennett. I can't believe he doesn't like evangelicals. And I was like, that was totally taken out of context. I like cool evangelicals like you two, but some of them are really annoying, just like Mormons can be really annoying. So it's not that I hate Mormons or hate evangelicals. It's just certain evangelicals. So you two are my favorites. Anyway, so uh, so Steve, how's it been for the last year of uh, doing Mormon book reviews? It's been pretty awesome, and it's been a wild ride, to say the least. I I wasn't expecting all this to have happened, you know, just to have all the guests that I've had on and from Richard Bushman to Sandra Tanner. And, but, you know, just all the whole idea of the, of this show was just to review the books in my collection and maybe I'll get an author on now and then, you know? And, and so I had this dream of, Oh, I'll get, a, I'll, I'll review a Pentecostal reads the book of Mormon because that's the perfect convergence, you know? And then I remember thinking, you know, I think I'm going to call contact the Pentecostal theological seminary and, 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 and say, this is Steve Pineker from Mormon Book Reviews, and I need uh, Christopher Thomas's email address. You know, I sounded like I was real this big shot. You know, oh yes, sir. You know, you know, we'll get everything. So, and then uh, I emailed Christopher, and um, he sent me a very nice email back. Uh, and and so that was kind of like, like wow, this is pretty cool. Like people want to talk to me. And then of course I got in touch with you, Rick, via your Gospel Tangents newsletter email. I wasn't sure. If you got your emails there, because I sent one a few years before, I didn't hear anything back. So I just thought, well, I'll just give it a try. And next thing you know, I'm on the phone with you for like two and a half hours and you agree to come on my program. And it's been just kind of a wild ride since then. You know, I, 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 it's hard for me to just even comprehend what's happened. But I'd say within about two or three weeks of me doing this, I knew I was onto something. I knew people, I people took attention to what would start to take attention to what I was doing. And uh, it just has been really just a fantastic uh, journey ever since. And it really has been like, not only a journey just to be able to talk to a lot of interesting people, but I would also say on a spiritual level, it's also been part of that journey as well. It's affected me. Well, very cool. It's been fun to become, be your friend and, uh, and watch your channel grow. And it has and grown and even passes me sometimes. I don't, I don't know if I like that, but uh, you're, you're doing a great job. <laughs> thank you thank you well that's part of the reason i wanted you to have come on to do this was because i thought uh well first of all it'd be just be fun to do it but two you know you taking me under your wing like you did early on not knowing much about me um really was such a big thing and it was so important to me and it still is and so i thought okay i got the first guest that i actually interviewed was you the very first book that I reviewed was Christopher's and also the very first uh, scholar like, you know, interview was Christopher and we're all just three, you know, we all get along so well. I thought this would be the perfect venue to have this kind of conversation, just a retrospective, if you will, and just kind of talk and just kind of hash things out and go from there. But, you know, our friend down here, he needs to put in a couple words too, I think. Yeah, Chris. So tell us, uh, you know, I think I've heard that uh, for an evangelical studying Mormonism, it's like a visitor in a foreign land. Is, is that how it is? Well, it's more like uh, being a unicorn, right? <laughs> uh, there aren't all that many of us. And, uh, but, um, you know, the reception is, has always proven uh, to be really nice. And I want to congratulate Steve on his hundredth episode. Uh, that's quite a milestone and um, have uh, enjoyed seeing all that develop. He talked about earlier, Rick, uh, it really exploded with Richard Bushman and Sandra Tanner. And I'm thinking, well, wait a second, Rick and I were on here. What does that say about <laughs> us? Yeah, uh, so. Not nearly as big. This is them. That's for dang sure. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> 
Well, I have to say that, you know, I mean, even a lot of people, I think, think that the reason why I get all these guests on is because of Richard Bushman. But I actually was talking to a lot of the people I booked, um, like Daniel Stone and Dan, Don Bradley, already had agreed to come on my program before I even had even had the inkling of inviting Bushman on and also Sandra Tanner agreed to come on. So it's it's was just such a feather in my cap to have him on. Uh, I don't know if too many, maybe yours, Rick, but I think outside of maybe yours, I'm probably about the only guy that could book right now, Dan Vogel and Richard Bushman. You know, I just can't think of a lot of venues that could do that. And then, then I'm talking to other people that at BYU that will also add to that dimension as well that, um, you know, I just think that's what's so wild about this whole thing is being able to talk to just about everybody and not have one single person turn me down. Everybody I've asked has agreed to come out. Now, one or two haven't returned my emails, but they haven't turned me down. But just to have that response was so shocking to me. You know, you're doing better than me. I've had more than one turn me down. <laughs> yeah. And I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I can't wait actually for it to finally happen. You know, then I can say, oh, and it was so-and-so that finally broke the streak, you know, like, like, like Cal Ripken streak, you know. <laughs> so Steve, tell us more. What, what are some of the big things that you feel like you've learned over the past year as a uh, studier of Mormon studies? Well, I guess I didn't really realize how everybody was just is just so sequestered in their little worlds and they don't talk to each other and they don't really know about each other. So like when I'm talking to a BYU professor at the at the Mormon History Association and I'm saying, yeah, and the very first church of the restoration I ever went to was the Church of Jesus Christ, your Pentecostal cousins, the Bickertons and like I didn't know we had Pentecostal cousins. And I was just so shocked by that, you know, because to me, it's like, I've been reading about that church for years and wanting to get to know them. So that was like a really big surprise was that. And also, um, yeah, just just the, 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 the lack of knowledge. Like, so you have people who are specialists, they're in their studies and they know it and they know it very well. So that's one thing. You're gonna have blind spots if you have a specialty in the academic you know, community, obviously. But even just general folk don't really know a whole lot about other people. So now with this channel, I'm meeting those people who do know all these other groups. Now, of course, John Hamer is probably like your top academic that knows, and Steve Shields, they know everybody, you know, right. and, and they, they're aware of all the different movements, but out of, outside of them, you know, it's just fascinating to me to, to talk to all these different groups. Now, the smaller groups all know about the Salt Lake branch, you know, but the, 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 the people in the LDS church, Church Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints there, they're, they don't know a whole lot about these other Book of Mormon believing churches that believe that their church was founded by Joseph Smith. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I'll tell you a story. I uh, picked up a, my nephew and niece, take them to the airport for Christmas. They were at BYU. And I said, so how many other Mormon churches besides the community of Christ are there? And they were like, six, 12. <laughs> I was like, you guys are way, way wrong. So... <laughs> So Chris, tell us more about, um, has things changed much? Because you've been on, well, I guess it's been about a year and a half. You've been on, on I'll call the big three, Mormon Stories, Gospel Tangents, and uh, Mormon Book Reviews. Um, what, what have you learned? Tell us about your last year and a half on all three of those podcasts. Oh, goodness. Well, I've learned that apparently all podcasters are tall. <laughs> because you all three kind of tower over me which doesn't say perhaps much for you but uh anyway um uh, well it's been uh you know it's been it's been an interesting it, it's been an interesting ride um i am not necessarily uh a publicity hound and so um you know when i would get these invitations uh they, they mean a lot to me, um, but I really enjoy most of all the conversations. Um, of course, uh, I'd uh, known of Mormon stories a long time and had, had watched a lot of that. And I, I came across Gospel Tangents um, and, you know, it was on Gospel Tangents that I encountered a number of folk for the first time as well. Uh, and I was recently 
uh, I'd recently gone back and and viewed on Mormon stories uh, John's interview with uh, Jared and Tyler on the on the murder among the Mormons, and I remembered that you had uh, done some interviews pretty early on, Rick, with different individuals, and I hadn't seen the Shannon Flynn interviews since I first watched them. And I think John said in his interview that you had access to the less flamboyant Shannon. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it was a, a great uh, set of interviews. Uh, Thank I, mean, you. I think it's the, I think in some ways it's kind of the, the, you know, the state of the art interview uh, on Shannon, because I, I think he was, um, he was in a different place uh, physically and perhaps emotionally. And I thought you did uh, a, a great job there. And uh, then of course had to go back and, and watch your interview with uh, my old friend, Kurt Bench and some of the other interviews that you, you've done. So, you know, um, I, I remember the first time I, I met both of you, John and you, that I felt like I knew you guys already, but uh, that uh, uh, you didn't know me. And then, of course, when somebody reviews your book for their very first um, session on a, a channel they're launching, well, you know, it's like I tell my granddaughter, you'll always be my first grandchild, no matter what <laughs> else happens, right? So, you know, that, that's an honor as well. And uh, of course, the three of us have become good friends, and I'm I'm amazed if we can even do a podcast together anymore because the conversations go off in all directions at the same time. Uh, but you know, I've been surprised a little bit um, in the way people reach out. Um, I think, and on on all the the podcasts I've been on. Uh, on on the Mormon book, um, you know, I'll, I'll get these kind of emails out of the blue uh, from people who had seen it, wanted want to interact, want to engage, uh, and so, you know, I'm I've been really appreciative of that, um, and um, you know, just see it as an opportunity to talk with folk. Uh, for whom, primarily for whom the book functions as scripture, um, and uh, the Book of Mormon, that is, and so yeah, that's been that's been a lovely development, as 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 from my vantage point, and always treated uh, quite royally, and uh, so yeah, yeah, that, that I think that's it. Well, it's good now, to have you as a celebrity in the in the Mormon book world. So, that's right. well, thanks so much. I, I'm not used to that. <laughs> so, what, one thing I just want to read to you, Christopher. Somebody wrote this on a comment on, on one of our interviews. It says, "Hi, Steve. Thank you so much for your channel. I really appreciate the spirit in which you are going about this. As an inactive LDS, your videos have been church for me today." They touch my heart and refresh my spirit and my faith of the common body of Christ and in God's grace. Shalom. And then he later on went and watched part three of uh, when I recommend, hey, watch part three of the uh, Mormon Stories interview of Christopher Thomas. So later on, he comes on and comments and he said, Steve, I was watching it. And I started crying watching that episode. So it's kind of cool to know that there are people watching our interview right now or any number of the interviews and they're being touched by them, you know, and, and, uh, you know, to me, like that just really touches me to hear it. I get messages like this all the time, you know, and it, I feel like really honored and privileged to be able to do that. And I think that, you know, Chris, Chris, uh, what you've done is amazing because, you know, you, you took the Book of Mormon seriously with your book and didn't mock it and make fun of it. Um, and as a result, you have a lot of people who, really appreciate you. And then I get the same love from people, you know, and I think that's kind of what it's about. It's a re relational thing. Um, you know, so I just want to say that, you know, that's, that's important to me. That's, that's really been one of the biggest surprises is that it's it, the personal relational aspect of it too. Yeah, I think that that's right. Uh, I think especially these days when, when, you know, public discourse and 
conversations are at a minimum uh, that it's nice to be able just to talk to people and you and you find out pretty quickly who is interested in in conversation and dialogue and who isn't um, not only on you know any of the the sides of certain issues these days but you know the the kind of um, I don't know what the what the best way to put it there, there's a sense in which the 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 restoration is, rather fragmented in terms of the different groups. Uh, I mean, Pentecostalism is certainly fragmented, so that's not a, that's not a, a slam. Um, but it, it's interesting, I think, the people that don't know of one another and just the, the willingness of people to engage if you are respectful uh, to them. And that's one of the things about both of your podcasts that that has been uh, really helpful to me is, uh, you know, something called gospel tangents. You're you're expecting, you know, some tangential folk. I, I think I remember saying to Rick, "You don't get more tangential than a Pentecostal on gospel tangents." Talking <laughs> about the Book of Mormon, but um, but you know, uh, I think I think the time I learned of Daniel Stone, for example, Rick was on Gospel Tangents, and Daniel and I have become really good friends. Daniel uh, is a great man. He's he's a great guy. He really is, and there's so many others that that's true of. And then, of course, uh, Steve, who seems to specialize uh, in the folk on the margin. Uh, I mean, you know, I think both of those are such great services to people who are interested uh, in that kind of engagement. I remember when I first started working on Book of Mormon, and I realized that not too many people in Utah seem to know too many people in Community of Christ. And I said, you know, there's not that many of you in terms of Book of Mormon scholars. I don't I don't know why you don't talk to one another, why you don't know one another, right? We had 150 years of enmity with the over polygamy, so that's a big reason. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. But I mean, I think the way you guys reach out, um, you know, that's a, that's a great service. And I think, uh, Steve, uh, who would have known the kind of favor you would have found with, with your startup? Uh, I know that Rick has been really instrumental uh, in kind of uh, fostering you along in a sense. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, one of the things you both seem to excel at is actually reading the books of the people you have on. Right? <laughs> uh, you don't always get that. And, um, you know, having really interesting conversations, but also allowing people to kind of put things in their words and, and, and have a, uh, a forum uh, for all that. And I don't know any authors that are not vain enough to come on and talk about their book. I know right? a few. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll stay nameless, but I do know a few. <laughs> Anonymity has its place. <laughs> That's, you know, it's so true, Rick, what Chris was saying was, you know, I watched, you know, Mormon stories, and then I came across your channel, probably has to be about four years ago now, you know, so you must, you, I remember you had a, a catalog of episodes, so I started watching those once I found you, and, uh, but I just, I loved it, I mean, I bought so many of you, the books, some of the people that came on your program, I bought their books, you know, like I went to Don Bradley, and I said, I just want you to understand, Don, I, I bought the book because I saw you on the interview. I had no intention to have it like a show and I'm going to have you on. I said, I, I, I love this subject. I'm so passionate about it. But what was so important to me was watching your program. And, and, and so like Mormon Stories is an interesting program because he, when he has scholars on, that's what I'm most interested in, you know, when he's talking to the different scholars and stuff like that. And his format's different, you know, than yours. Yours is more a little more... Um, was different than, than John's and and sometimes John kind of becomes like Oprah a little bit you know with his show uh, and sometimes not all those episodes really interest me as much but basically I watch every single episode that you put out because I'm genuinely interested in just about every single episode 
But when I think back, when I was devising like three or four different YouTube channels in my mind, I, I remember I got uh, inspiration from this Pentecostal, one this Pentecostal in Albany, Georgia, had this book review channel. And he, half the time he didn't even read the book. He said, I got this stash of books from Ollie's and here, let me talk about this one, you know, didn't even read them. And the guy's got 3 million views. So I was like, okay, um, that's interesting. If this guy, no production values whatsoever, I think it's his wife filming him and he's just sitting there with his table, his books and I'll see what I got next, you know, but he used to be a Bible salesman. So he was an expert on Bibles. So that's interesting where he gives you interesting stuff about Bibles and stuff like that. But then my second inspiration was this guy who has this, had this YouTube channel called LDS book reviews. And so I thought I can do that. And then, um, and then it was you, yeah, your channel. Those are my three major influences uh, early on when I was putting something together. Those were the three that I was kind of um, trying to pattern myself after. So I took a little bit from each one and, and thus I have this program. So you definitely, from the very beginning, and of course, Christopher, I bought your book years ago too. I didn't plan on, I wasn't planning on having you on, you know, I, that's just how it is. But, but yeah, you're so like, Gospel Tangents is so intertwined in this whole endeavor. Um, it helped me, one of the things that really helped me with your show was it helped me to speak Mormonese, you know, hearing the the, the cadence, the way the, the talk and same with Mormon stories, you know, uh, it's just- I it's hope just, I don't sound like I'm on general conference. <laughs> no, no, but just how, how you just talk with each other, you know, and I picked that up with Mormon stories. I picked that up as well. Just, okay. Like, it's just fascinating to me, like how many times they use comic book references in, in conversation. And then there's also a lot of like uh, references to musicals and Disney movies. It, it's, it's amazing for, like, to hear adults talking about comic books and Disney movies and integrating it into their conversations. Even John Dillon does that. You know, it's just like so thoroughly intertwined into the lingo more so than it is in our world. And I just find it truly fascinating. Well, and the thing that I love about both of you guys is the fact that you're both bridge builders and, and, that's what we need more of. We need way more. We've got way too many wall builders mm -hmm. and we need bridge builders that, that uh, you know, go between Mormons and evangelicals. And, you know, I, I, I know I've made a lot of comments about how evangelicals drive me crazy because some of them do, but some of them are cool, you know, just like Mormons are cool and some of them are jerks. Like, I, I could tell you lots of Mormon jerks. Well, you, you guys talk well, about Mormon, going to. You talk about Mormon cringe, Mormon cringe. There's plenty of evangelical cringe out there. There's so many things that really bother me, dude, what I see on TV. So trust me. And then, of course, yeah, there's jerks. There are, I mean, I'm to me, on my channel, anybody who watches my channel knows I'm much harder on Christians than I ever am on, on the restoration. Because I, I, I just get so upset with the ignorance and the intolerance and the bigotry and all that that's just in the virtue all that's just tossed at you guys. There's no, I don't see Christ in that. So when somebody's doing it in the name of our movement, you know, just to differentiate, you know, I'm more evangelical, but with a charismatic bent, charismatic renewal. And, 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 and Christopher, it comes from the Pentecostal tradition. You can lump us together in the evangelical thing uh, together. I use the term more evangelical and Christopher uses the term more Pentecostal. Uh, but, um, but, I mean, Christopher, we talk about some of the wild, crazy things that we have in our movement, and then just the people and the personalities that drive us nuts as well. No, that's, that's right. That's right. Uh, exactly. So. Well, and I just, I'm still impressed. You know, I know, Chris, we were joking on my podcast about, um, you know, you've kind of been stayed under the radar for Pentecostals. And I was like, are you going to get in trouble? Are you still not in trouble? Well, I was, I was good till gospel tangents. And yeah. then, <laughs> then my fame swept across the planet <laughs> like locusts. Uh, well, I hope you got a lot of book sales out of that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, no, you know, I mean, I think it's a combination of not, uh, not really being kind of uh, countercultural in terms of the you know, the genre, the, the mantra of the day in terms of everybody wants to be known, right? And everybody's doing things to, to get noticed, et cetera. Well, um, I think it, I think it is for the most part, uh, under the radar. I, I would say that I am much better known for my Book of Mormon work 
in restoration circles than I am in Pentecostal circles. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. you've done a lot of other studies in like the Bible and things like that, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, how how so, can I mean, you not better known? That well, that's that would be what I'm known for. However much I am known in in kind of Pentecostal circles and other circles is the biblical study stuff. Um, the the Book of Mormon studies for most of those folk would be kind of a head scratcher, whereas amongst Restoration folk, it's their bread and butter. And they're interested in, well, what do you make of it, right? And, and how are you coming at it? And, and have you prayed the prayer? And, and that sort of thing. Um, but on the, on the Pentecostal side, the most response I tend to get are from folk that will come around and say, you know, my, my uncle is LDS, or I have an aunt who's community Christ, uh, or, or what have you. And so... Um, it, for me, it was just kind of a, uh, whatever, you know, to whatever extent it's been successful, it was just kind of a perfect storm of my own kind of methodological approach to texts being reading with the grain. Uh, and, you know, most of the folk in the restoration that find out what I'm up to are very appreciative of that. And, you know, I think uh, Grant Hardy had done something at some point saying, I think it was in his understanding, um, you know, if we don't start with Joseph, can we at least talk about the Book of Mormon? And I think, I think by all means, and that's kind of how I come at that. And I think for the most part before that, everybody comes to it by way of Joseph right the the folk for whom it functions as scripture the folk for whom it absolutely does not function as scripture it it all starts there and a lot in a lot of ways what's in the book itself kind of gets gets lost right and so it, it is it's an odd kind of it is an odd kind of existence in in some ways uh that that i've kind of stumbled into I'm not bright enough to have designed it all, but about the time I think it's run its course, then, you know, something else develops, another door opens or, or something like that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm quite, my head spins with it sometimes. And I thought when the book was finished, that might be whatever contribution I can make, that might be it. But I've, you know, I've landed in the middle of this year, for example, I think I, I was invited to do three to five article length studies on the Book of Mormon, and uh, about that many on some uh, biblical and Pentecostal kind of topics. So that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm surprised by all that. Uh, it just kind of keeps seems to have a, a life of its own, if you will. Well, and I know Mormon studies is a lot smaller than um, biblical studies. And that probably part, part of it is, hey, if we can get any outsider interested in it, we're going to take them up on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you know, I was in, in, the, in the section I did on origins, which was the last section of the book, as, as you recall. And, and I really... I wasn't much interested in that because that's what everybody's done. And that's where all the fights are. And I was telling um, someone I was having, having lunch one day in the, uh, is it the Joseph Smith building up above temple square? Right. Yeah. Uh, that, that lovely view from the restaurant there. And yeah, I'd, I'd got given a seminar at the church history library and I was telling one of the scholars what I was thinking of doing. And he kind of pulls me aside and says, hey, look, you're an outsider. If you are friendly about this, you can say whatever you want. You don't have to worry <laughs> <laughs> about offending everybody because we don't have that many outsiders that are genuinely interested. And I, I, I do believe that's part of the, the novelty and the unicornness of it all <laughs> well and i have to say it's funny i appreciate steve 
you know, I've always wanted to go to the Firm Foundation conference, um, and Steve got me a ticket, and that was really nice. But I was amazed at how many people were like, "Oh, Steve Pinecker." <laughs> you know? the, I think one or two people knew who I was, but um, but I was amazed at how how well Steve is is known. You just you're just a publicity hound, Steve. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just I just sent somebody message me on YouTube saying. I was there at that conference and my young son, my son went to me and said, there, there he is. He said, no, that's not him. And now I'm kicking my, I've been kicking myself ever since that I didn't come and shake your hand. I'm like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's weird. Well, <laughs> fans. And, you know, the other funny thing is it seems like you, especially, and especially with the smaller groups, um, you're well known among the bicker tonight. And um, what was the other group? I'm trying to remember. Oh, probably the restoration branches. I think it was with Patrick McKay. Can you talk about how it's been to get to know those two groups specifically? Yeah, you know, um, very, very interesting. Uh, I was always fascinated by the Bickerton organization, Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, and no, no Latter-day Church Saints. Church of Jesus Christ. I'm so used to. I'm always like, I gotta have that on there. Make sure I get the, the whole name in there. Yeah, I don't worry talk. about that. I well, just, I'm just, you know, it's the LDS Church is fine. I'm just trying to follow the prophet. You know, I'm. Know. They yeah. tell, You're better than me, I guess. <laughs> so, but we're gonna um, get you baptized here soon, Steve. Keep that up. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it was. I've always been so fascinated by that church, and there's hardly anything out there about it. You know, they, they don't really publish much. Uh, I knew they had like a publishing house in Michigan. Um, I read everything I possibly could read about them. Much of that was on Wikipedia, which, by the way, folks, most of your restoration stuff about the branches of the restoration on Wikipedia originally was written by John Hamer. So I was probably reading, reading John Hamer long before I didn't even knew who he was. And so I just was so fascinated because I thought this church is, I mean, they're, 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 they're practicing the gifts. They they uh, believe in the Book of Mormon, but I don't know much about them. So when you had Daniel Stone on, that was so awesome. Like, I love those interviews because I finally got to see a name and a face and a person. And I was like, It was my oh, wow. first time, too, because I had wanted to meet a bicker tonight forever. And then somebody, I think it was in Mormon Historians Facebook group. They were like, hey, there's this new book on William Bickerton and Daniel Stone's author. And so I immediately reached out and I, I couldn't wait for that book to come out. So oh, yeah. he's, he's the first and only Bicker tonight, I know, except for Alice Cooper. Right. Yes. <laughs> I, I would love to get him on. Some Although I've not met Alice him. Cooper. I just know. <laughs> I just know who he is. <laughs> so. I just found the church so fascinating and interesting to me. And so reading that book. Um, was great because it really told us, I mean, it's just a fantastic, and you, you can't help but love William Bickerton reading that book, you know, um, and just really just know that he was a very sincere man. And so I, I got in touch with the Church of Jesus Christ via um, Patrick McKay, who's with the Independent Restoration Branches. Um, Patrick McKay's congregation was the very first congregation to leave the RLDS in 1984 when they first started ordaining women. And so he, he was from that break off group right away. Now, it's so ironic because I I actually know one of the first women that was ordained by the RLDS is also a friend of mine. So it was her ordination in one sense that got Patrick and his church to leave. So it all started with really my love affair with, um, with, with this, these groups started when on a Saturday night, I get a call out of the blue from Patrick McKay. Now, Paul Luby, who's a, a book publisher in Independence, Missouri, I ordered some books from him. And he told me, you gotta talk to Patrick because this is somebody you gotta meet. So I said, well, give him my number. Here's my contact information. Just out of the blue, he calls me on a Saturday night. And the very first thing we start talking about within a few minutes, he starts talking about the Songs of Zion hymn, hymnal. But I didn't know at the time it was a hymn, though. I just thought about this lady that just was writing songs. And I was, and as soon as he started telling the story, I was like, oh, this is familiar to me. I've heard this before. So being involved in the charismatic movement, these are the stories I heard growing up. But when I heard him tell me the story, it, it literally changed the trajectory of the channel, where it was supposed to be more scholarly um, and less, you know, um, it was going to be a scholarly secular channel. 
But then I realized, whoa, I'm talking to believers here. See, that's the thing. I wasn't thinking like that. And they're going to bring that to the table. So he tells me about the hymnal, and then I get in touch with the, then he gets in touch with the people of the Church of Jesus Christ up north of Tampa. The very first church that I visit is there, and people there already knew where I was, because the people in the church watched my interview with Patrick McKay and watched some of my other videos. And so, of course, I just was immediately um, embraced by the church and was thoroughly impressed with them as a people, and the church is just a great church, and it was a lovely experience that I had. So then to just fast forward a little bit, because you had asked about both groups, is um, later on in the summer, Patrick McKay asked me on camera while I was filming him, hey, why don't you come and speak at the Book of Mormon rally uh, in October? I'm like, I, let me think about that. And then I was talking to Christopher and I went to Christopher and I said, you know, Christopher, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be at that rally. I'm supposed to be there. Now, you got to understand when a charismatic and a Pentecostal are talking to each other, and they go say, you know, brother, I'm supposed to be there. Enough said, right? The other's like, okay, I got you. Don't know explanation. That was Christopher. He's like, okay. Now, if you tell that to a Calvinist, he'll be like, what do you mean? <laughs> but but uh, so I knew, like, I felt like, okay, no, I need to be there. And because I love Patrick. So I actually made the drive uh, up to the Independence area and spoke at the rally. And what was really cool was, first of all, had the, you know, uh, the mission president was there, a top, a top of, of people with the LDS church were there. Um, you had different, all the different groups that are based out there were there. Uh, it was a great, it was you know, a couple hundred people there from all the different restoration of the branches, had a wonderful time at the rally. Uh, representatives from just about every branch spoke at it, including Casey Griffiths from BYU was the, the LDS representative. Well, the next morning they had a church service in, in Patrick's basement, um, and it was a mixture. There were LDS and uh, Church of Jesus Christ, and there were members of Patrick's group in there. I got there a little late because I was getting my hotel stuff taken care of and all that. And so I'm uh, sitting there, and then at the very end, uh, Patrick McKay goes to me and says, Brother Steve, would you do the closing prayer? So here you have this evangelical giving a closing prayer at a restorationist service with, with, with a professor from BYU there, right? And I was just like, wow, this is like very unusual to be having these experiences. So this is very touching to me. Like this really has impacted me on a very powerful level because I, I just, that was not what I was expecting, but to be able to have people like just feel uh, the spiritual kinship with me and wanna fellowship with me and ask me to do prayers with them and just it, and just so you know, to top it all off, I get Becky Tarbuck on, Arlene Buffington's daughter, and this has a 239 songs. They got one more song left that needs to be put to put to put to uh, press. And I get a message from Becky Tarbuck, and she goes to me and she said, "Steve, I rewatched your video. We're writing the history of the songs of Zion. I'm I'm writing you into the history of the songs of Zion. You're going to be part of the history of this hymnal." And I'm like, whoa, I mean, this was so cool to me. So just to have it all start with a phone call on Saturday night before I even taped an episode to then full circle, attending services, giving closing prayer, and now included in the history of this wonderful story. Well, that's cool. I, yeah, I think you're, you're, you're a wonderful bridge builder and I, I think we need to do more bridge building. Uh, I think the LDS church is getting better with a lot of the restoration groups, um, they're still a little standoffish with the uh, polygamous groups. And and I like, you know, I know, I, I love that Chris is working with BYU and I don't know how formal all those things are. I know uh, there are some things with like Richard Muau of the, do you guys know what seminary he's with? Um, Fuller. 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 Yeah, Fuller Theological Seminary. And I love the bridge building and I, and I, I can't say that was one of my goals was bridge building. Um, I'm just curious. Like I've always wanted to know about the bigger tonight's and the Strangites and the, I've got the house of Aaron coming on here soon. And, you know, all of the, all of these different obscure groups, most Mormons have never heard of these groups. And uh, I'm amazed how small some of them are. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess in a sense, I've, I, I'm a, I'm a bridge builder in that way, but I just, I'm just curious. Anybody that treats me with respect, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to talk to them. And I appreciate that you guys are, are, are bridge builders. And, uh, and I love 
both uh, Steve and Chris, how you've, uh, you've, you've done well with, with bridge building, especially across Mormon evangelical lines. And I really appreciate that. Well, you know, it's, um, it, the, one of the really kind of rewarding things is when you move from what I sometimes call from the front porch conversations to the back porch conversations. You know, when you're, when you're talking with people and everybody's guards are down, you know, they're not suspicious of your motives or you of that or of them. And, you know, I've just had some really delightful moments like that at, at BYU when I've been invited into classes and it's almost like they forget that there is a Gentile among them and, uh, and you're, you're hearing these conversations that, you know, they move off script really quick. And so whatever it is, that's the official kind of face of the church, you're getting these other sorts of dimensions that kind of flesh it all out. Uh, it, it's a little bit like when I would go around to these historic sites in the LDS uh, tradition. And usually when I would tell somebody what I was up to, they would, uh, the missionaries, and most of them were senior missionaries that I was encountering, they came off script immediately. And I'll never forget being in, um, um, well, I'm, I am forgetting, aren't I? Uh, being uh, at the place where the thing gets published, right? Um, in Palmyra. Building. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a really rainy day and I'm the only one in the building. And I go upstairs and there's this older gentleman and I tell him what I'm up to. And he says, oh, he says, well, come back here behind the desk here and let me, let me show you all this stuff. You know, I mean, he's just telling me everything. And then he says, and you see that pedestal over there, there used to be a 1830 edition on that, but they needed it in Salt Lake. And when things go to Salt Lake, they never come back. <laughs> well, that's not on the script, right? I mean, it's just these, these really lovely times. And um, that's, you know, I had a friend at, at one of the Book of Mormon Studies Association meetings uh, who's uh, not LDS either. And, and he said to me, you know, I think we're the only two Gentiles that are here. And, and I, I, I thought, oh, well, that may be right. But I, I wasn't thinking of things that way because I was in the middle of a lot of friends right and i th i think that that's i just think there's lots there i i do want to mention rick one thing i'd forgotten to mention in talking about gospel tangents and that was your introduction of me to matt harris you know i didn't even know i didn't know matt i'd never heard his name that i recall and buddy i was just mesmerized because he you know, he's the real deal. Oh, I know he is. And I have and to tell you, because when I met Matt, I was like, I feel like I discovered you, Matt. <laughs> that, well, and, and, you know, so after that, I, I bought some of his stuff and, I, and we arranged to have a, a Zoom meeting and, and he was on with Steve. I mean, you've introduced me to just a lot of people in that regard. And of course, Steve, through you've introduced me virtually and of course steve has actually introduced me to a lot of people uh from his shameless hawking of my book and uh, <laughs> uh so you know i mean to me i've i feel like i've been the the beneficiary of of uh, all the all the good things there because you um you know if you had never done anything but the matt harris interviews that that was extraordinary as far as I was concerned. Oh, well, I Matt, I'm I feel so like he's a brother. Yeah, yeah. And I and I gotta show everybody this is Chris's book. And if you don't have it, why not? You gotta get out. Oh, Steve's got it too. <laughs> 
Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'll have you know, Christopher, when I was at the Mormon History Association, I was going around passing out my cards to people and they have these BYU students who are like kind of volunteers, you know, and stuff. And I saw this young man and I handed my card and tell him what I'm doing. He said, you know, there's this great book called a Pentecostal reads the book of Mormon. I said, I've had him on watch my channel, check out the interview. So, you know, you're known, you're in a known entity. People know who you are. Big well, fish in our small Mormon pond. There you go. And I, I kind of quite like that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve, can you tell us a little bit, what are what are some of your favorite uh, episodes of your last hundred? And we know which two better be on the list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, um, I think the one that really, really was amazing to me was with Mark Staker early on. I have him on. And then he said, okay, I'll come back on to reveal those pollen results studies on Tunbridge Farm. So what they were growing at the time, Joseph Smith Sr. was running, uh, growing at the time when they lived there in Vermont in the 1790s. And then finally, he it had to go through a centrifuge. It's the, I think it was at Utah University of Utah and you go through a centrifuge and we were waiting patiently for the results. So like every week during the summer, we were like, he was giving me updates and, 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 and then writing me emails telling me, okay, you know what? Thanks for reminding me. I'll check in with them. You know, so during the entire summer, he's giving me updates about all the stuff about the pilot. And then finally he says, okay, I got him. I said, okay, that Tuesday, he gets it. That Tuesday, he gets the results. A few hours later, I'm interviewing him. And that, and then I think uh, that the next night, I don't remember if it was the day of or the next day, either way, um, I broke the news, breaking news, you know, the results of the policy study. Well, he could have gone on any program, but he wanted to come on mine and have somebody from the church historian's office to come on my program and do that to me. It was just, it was a real important thing to me. So that was, a, that's just something that really sticks out. But, you know, you got to uh, give us the pollen results in case people don't know what you're talking about. What oh, was look, Joseph Smith senior farming? They're planting hops to make beer. Make, they were beer makers. Beer makers. So, um, th- so that was just a, an interesting out, thing, guys. I got to go. I can't stay in anything talking about beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's holiness. He's talking about holiness there, you know. So, um, so then I think that um, when I think about some of the guests that I've had, the, first of all, they've taken the time to talk to me. You know, people don't realize. You know, I do a pre-interview Zoom with my guests typically before I actually do the actual interview. And I had to do that early on, especially so they could get to know me, right? They didn't know who I was. Now people know who I am, so I don't have to do it as much. I don't have to talk as much because they have an idea now what I'm doing. But it was great because they got to know me and we felt comfortable. So when we take the interview, it always, the interviews always just went very smoothly and very comfortable. Um, and so then, then when I started talking to young people, like millennials, I was like, okay, how am I gonna talk to these? these guys, you know, and these, because I, I just didn't know, you know, they speak a la- different language than I do, you know, so I was kind of worried. So when I had like Rebecca Jensen on who wrote the liminal sovereignty, you know, I was like, okay, you know, first of all, I really need to have female guests on. And then she's a millennial. So I'm a little like nervous and the interview went out without a hitch, hit it off with her very well. And I just thought that was like an important thing to me. And then just to move on to, of course, Richard Bushman was important and Sandra Tanner was important. You know, the big ones with all the big views have, have good reason to, you know, obviously be ones that I would uh, want to do. But I also like how, um, in addition to the Powell study, you know, um, Thomas Murphy comes on my program to reveal original research, unpublished research, that he then comes on my program specifically to, to talk about. And then to tie that in with Don Bradley and with with Thomas, they both specifically wanted to come on my program to talk about their personal faith journeys, you know? And it was like, wow, like that was really important to me, you know? Uh, I mean, I was just shocked by that, you know, that, that, that I'm, I'm literally, the channel is in some sense contributing to the conversation and to the, it's actually affecting the conversation going on within Mormon scholarship as well, you know? And, and, and it's actually making a contribution. Uh, I wasn't seeing that coming. And, and so, yeah, that's just, those are just some examples I could cite. I mean, I could say all my interviews are, I really love, I, in one sense I do, they're all special in their own way. 
but just to, the ones that have been impactful like that um, really have just been surprising to me because I'm just some guy, some layperson. that's a non-academic channel, but it is making a contribution to the conversation, just like your channel does too, of course. Uh, you know, Rick, you know, you broke some news, you know, you, you revealed some people who wrote some of those gospel topics uh, essays, you know, and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it's kind of cool when you're involved in making the news story, you know? Yeah, it is fun. I, that, that was really fun when I, I felt like that was breaking news. And I, you know, it's hard to break news on a history channel because you got to wait for 100 years before it even becomes history. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of fun to do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. so, Well, any last things you guys want to cover here with this uh, 100th anniversary mm. episode of Mormon Book Reviews? Well, I think uh, from my vantage point, Steve, um, one of the strengths of, of your uh, program is that it's clear you've been informed by the other podcasts. And so you seem to take advantage then of kind of diving deeper into parts of the stories that have not been fleshed out. You know, I mean, I think I think your interview with Sandra, for example, uh, that looked so so much more intently at the Pauline Hancock period. Uh, you know, I thought that that was really helpful. I mean, it's 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 really important, I think, to get to get things with Sandra on the record, right? Uh, she just celebrated her 81st birthday last Friday, and. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit like with, uh, with Gospel Tangents. So many of those Hoffman-related interviews, so many of those folk were losing, right? And so, I mean, I, I think those are kind of historically significant moments. Um, I think the interview, the first interview with Tom Murph, Thomas Murphy on his connections such as they were with the evangelical tradition uh, and just his, um, you know, what a, what a lovely guy, uh, what a, what, what just a wonderful person. And I, in the, in the interviews I'd heard with Thomas, I'd never heard that in that detail. Um, and, and of course his interview uh, where, where he is assessing, analyzing some of the arguments with the Heartland theory to someone like myself who may have a knowledge of a certain slice of all of this, but doesn't have a, a, such a knowledge of all of those areas. It was a really helpful guide uh, to me. And, and again, the same thing with Bushman. I mean, you talking to Bushman about stuff that nobody much has talked to him about, right? And there are certain things that have to kind of, you know, go across the, some of the, you know, some of the material that, that we've heard uh, before with folk. But I think, I think that those have been really important uh, contributions. And, 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 and I think lifting up uh, people on the margins uh, from kind of a centrist view uh, out, you know, those are really important things to document. And, and I think the same with, uh, with gospel tangents. I mean, those, you know, those become kind of primary documents when people come back around to try to do histories. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think that, I think your I think your kind of non-troubled presence um, opens people up in terms of conversations. You're actually wanting to hear from them. I think your location outside the restoration um, opens people up uh, because it's, it's not like you have an agenda uh, aside from hearing their uh, hearing their perspectives, hearing their their stories, and of course you've introduced me 
uh, directly and indirectly to people I would probably not have known, right? And of course, any interview with Matt Harris, I'm going to watch, right? And um, so it's, you know, I, I think it's been a really, having been with you a bit since the beginning, uh, I think it's been a really kind of uh, incredible ride that I know you did not plan out, right? And uh, so it's nice to have a moment like this to sort of assess and to celebrate and knowing a little bit about the back stories uh, and how benevolent uh, Rick has been to your program uh, and some of the interviews that you mentioned that were, were recorded on his uh, equipment and such. I mean, I think it's just a, a really nice moment um, to, to celebrate all that. And, and Rick, uh, we've really been uh, blessed by the stuff you've done. Obviously, I hope you feel that uh, for me. I mean, it's before I ever knew you, uh, you know, it, 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 that was the case. And, and, and certainly, Steve, just really, um, you know, you seem to have a good, you seem to have good instincts. Uh, and I think the thing about the, the work that the two of you do, you know, not everybody has to like everything. It's, it's, it's a wide, it's a wide audience out there, isn't it? And there'll be certain things that different people really gravitate toward. Uh, but I can't imagine maybe Rick can bring some perspective to this i can't imagine trying to script a more successful first hundred uh that that would be pretty pretty difficult to imagine yeah so. i think you passed me by steve my first year i don't think it was this successful oh wow i you know and this is what makes it so wild and surreal is that basically i had just about every other night i had rick bennett on and then the, and then the next night i'd have john delin on and maybe some other you know, Mormon related channels I'd be checking out. And then early on, I'm talking, co-producing a show with Rick Bennett and then talking with John DeLynn. And I'm like, I'm part of the sitcom now. You know, <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm on the TV show, you know, that I watch every night. And so, uh, you know, that, that's that been the most surreal for, thing for me is like, I literally, that was my my, my TV, television viewing, essentially, you know, besides live sports and something I was binging on Netflix, I was watching you guys and then to just be part of this whole story is just wild to me. Um, you know, just to get back on a couple of things here, Chris, you know, um, one of the things a lot of people go to me and say is that you had Bushman taking notes. And, you know, people, more than one person has pointed that out to me. I said, yeah, I said, it was the most, that was a bizarre moment. I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, wait, he's getting out a notebook. Wait, he's writing what I'm saying as I'm saying it. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm like telling him things. And, and then and one of the things people don't realize is that there's a couple of times in the Bushman interview where I say something and he doesn't respond. Now I had it on speaker view. And now people might be thinking, well, boy, that was kind of rude. He didn't respond, or maybe that was a bad question. But if you saw what I saw, you saw him with a big smile on his face, uh, a very appreciative smile that he was giving me back. That I thought, oh, I wish the audience could see this, this in speaker view. So that was like really cool just to get that kind of affirmation while I'm filming him. Um, and then, you know, the other thing too is, you know, I've had three, three different people from the Church of Jesus Christ on. And one of the things that really struck me was, was of course, Josh Gailey did a great job kind of giving like a, 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 an apologetic defense of the Book of Mormon using Christian apologetics arguments in favor of the resurrection he did for the Book of Mormon. I think it's a pretty compelling argument. But then uh, the amount of LDS women that were fascinated by the songs designed of um, him, him book, I mean, I, I, on, on YouTube and on uh, Reddit and, or, or mostly Facebook, some pro, private Facebook groups, there were LDS women just so fascinated by this story. So just to see that cross-pollinization going on and causing these conversations to happen, um, because on the Songs of Zion, on Becky Targums, the president of the Women's Auxiliary, uh, the Women's Association in the Church of Jesus Christ starts answering questions to the women, LDS women, <laughs> on my page you know so they're talking to her <clears throat> and that to me is just so so amazing and then even yesterday somebody asked a question to dan vogel on one of the 
one of the comments for our interview. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if Dan Vogel reads these. And today he gives his answer to that question. He's reading the answers to, to the things. And I'm like, wow, you know, and, and I tell people, I say, you know, your video might only get a couple hundred views, but you'd be very surprised at who's watching, you know? And then just one little thing too is, but you had mentioned Christopher about how, um, you know, like I, I got informed by the other podcasts, you know, that, that really was what caused me to start. It was because, you know, like Rick Bennett and John DeLynn have their shows, they have their things that interest them. But that, like, I remember specifically John Hamer, and I don't remember if it was on, on Mormon Stories, I think it was Mormon Stories, where John Hamer said something really interesting, and John DeLynn did not give the follow-up question that I would have asked. And I was like, I got to get John Hamer on, because I got to ask that question. And, 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 and so to me, it's like, when I have guests that have been on Mormon Stories and on uh, Gospel Tangents, I, I make a point to ask the questions that weren't asked, not nothing against you, Rick, you can, you know, but, but like when Dan Vogel starts talking about a Presbyterian minister or that minister in England, I, okay, I gotta go find out more about these ministers. Okay. Did they try to witness to you, you know, what church? And then he said, and then, and then Dan Vogel says, oh yeah, the guy in England was Elam. He was a Pentecostal. I don't think anybody ever knew that, you know? So I'm able to go down those roads and get new information out there, uh, you know, complementing the work that you do, but from an outsider's perspective, you know, I have, you know, you have questions that I would, wouldn't think to ask. And, and then I'm doing the same thing from that perspective. So I really feel like we're, 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 we're documenting um, history and stories are being told that would otherwise be untold, you know? And so to me, that's, that's an important contribution that we're making, you know? And, and, and yeah, after a hundred episodes to do what's happened is pretty remarkable, but yeah, that, that, kind of just summarize there you know, a little bit but yeah i just find this to be a very interesting thing i think my head's going to explode <laughs> well, let me let me go ahead and 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 prick it uh, uh, uh george throckmorton oh he's awesome those were great interviews yeah. man so i mean so I, I and i let me just say i appreciate being invited into this conversation um and uh, appreciate very much uh, having been with both of you uh, on your shows and and uh, what I would would say is it's always nice to be with people who really have a passion for what they're doing. And uh, I guess we all know in this world people who are strapped with things they have to do uh, and they're faithful and they do what they have to do. but then to to be with people, who have a real passion about it, who aren't making, you know, tens of dollars, let alone <laughs> tens of thousands of dollars. I mean, you know, it's just, a, from my vantage point, it's just real delightful. And I hope that both of you will continue to do this just as long as you have the passion and uh, it, it will benefit all of us. Well, I know Steve's making tens of dollars because I subscribed to his podcast, his Patreon. So <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. Yep. That's right. I want to thank all my Patreons, by the way. We appreciate it. And if you haven't signed up yet, please, please sign up. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve, I know that I'm your guest host, but do you want to go ahead and, and sign off the way you normally do? Sure. So uh I want to thank both of you for coming onto the program. Rick, thank you so much for uh, hosting it tonight. I really appreciate it. A pleasure, as always. And Christopher. I guess this you... is my first time. I shouldn't say as always, but. Uh... That's it's all good. Uh, uh, and then Christopher, thank you, uh, you know, for being my friend. You know, folks don't realize this, but maybe not every week. Sometimes it would be, but every other week, every few weeks, Christopher get together for a couple hours and just hash things out, you know, and. Christopher, you, you made the analogy the other day about how when you're in a foreign country and you hear another American voice, <laughs> I said, sometimes we just need to sit down and have that conversation so we can just, because no, the worlds we live in don't enter the orbit of the restoration. And so, so yeah, that, that's kind of cool. We're able to just kind of make sure we keep each other grounded, right? Right, right. It's good to, good to talk with somebody that's bilingual exactly. uh, in a different way. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So, no, th thanks for the invitation, Steve. I'm I'm delighted by it, and and uh, obviously uh, have learned have been beneficiary of your work. Well, 
hey, it's uh, it's just really an honor to just be able to do this and hey, it's been able to sell a few copies of this for you, man. That's awesome. So folks, I just want to thank you so much for joining this very special 100th episode of Mormon Book Reviews. I just want to remind my audience to one, you know, if you want to make a contribution to the program, please support our Patreon page. Also want to remind you that we are on all the major uh, podcast platforms. So check us out in a podcast format. Um, and I also just want to remind you to check out our website, mormonbookreviews.com. My email address, by the way, is mormonbookreviews at gmail.com if you wish to contact me. And just a reminder to like and subscribe. And don't forget to hit the uh, reminder bell to get a notification when a new episode comes out. You all have yourself a great day. All right. And here's to 100 more. Sounds good.